Welcome to Consumer Focus, uh, the podcast here with my wonderful panel of uh, consumers. We've got Mary Claire, we've got Dave, and we've got Leila, our regular contributors. Hello and Happy New Year. Hi. Happy New Year. Hi, everyone. It's the 9th of January, but I'm still going to be saying Happy New Year for at least another month or so. I hope it doesn't upset anybody, but I think it's a very positive thing to come into a new year and, you know, wish somebody the best of the best of luck for the year ahead. Did you all have a good Christmas? And a break, more importantly. Mary Claire, good Christmas. Christmas, Christmas was lovely, thank you. Um, but lots of coughs, cold bugs, and a cough that kind of won't go. So I apologise in advance if I'm hacking throughout this. Um, no problem. I might be doing I might be doing likewise. We'll see. What about yourself, Lila? Good Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, it was lovely. Thank you. Um, it was quite nice and um, and chilled. I um, made sort of minimal plans and also was working actually in the, in the days in between Christmas and New Year. I don't normally do that, but actually it was right. great as a chance to, you know, clear some of the tasks that don't get a look in really during the rest of the year. So get rid good. of the backlog. Yeah. Mm. When everybody else is off. Dave, what about yourself? Yeah, I committed myself to my uh, short sissy break and it rained every single day that I was away. But I got to watch yeah. some movies, I got to chill out, I got to play some video games, so it's good to be back. Sorry to hear that. Did you actually go somewhere? Did you go somewhere or? Yeah, I was, uh, was giving my hard-earned cash to the people of Bournemouth, so that was nice. Bournemouth, crikey. So I, I know it well, I know it well. Oh well, not to worry. Uh, well, listen, I wish you all a fantastic year this year and good health and happiness and prosperity in the year ahead. So um, I think we'll kick off just getting a sense from you all of kind of how you're feeling about things. Here we are in January. I think we started talking about the cost of living crisis with you guys probably about six months ago now, it feels like. Um, so Leila, we'll start with you. Just get a sense of what your what your views are. How do you think the year is going to shape up? And are you feeling more nervous, less nervous? Give us a sense. Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, it's been a, an interesting start to the year um you know work is busier than ever um and you know I think it's definitely got me thinking more about kind of um you know keeping a closer eye on like financial stuff um in 2023 and um making sure that um you know I'm spending money wisely I'm spending it in the best places and um you know and also kind of looking at things like sustainability um, value for money. I think a lot more, so, so the kind of things that I wouldn't necessarily have like focused on um, previously, but yeah, but um, optimistic about, you know, making kind of positive changes for this year. Good, good, please hear it. Dave, what about yourself? Well, we made it and uh, we are where we are. So um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think, I think six months ago we were talking about, oh God, we don't know how it's going to be in six months and now we're here and everything seems like it's, even though some people may not call it normal, it's about the point where it's a normality for us. So, uh, you know, did we cut back over this Christmas? I'd say we did because we hardly exchanged any gifts between each of us and the family and right. there wasn't any animosity about that, I'm grateful to say. So it's, yeah. I think, I think everyone, at least in my immediate circles, have come to the point where it's, um, you know, it, 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 I think it's acts of, um, it, I think it's more gestures than it is material gifts. Um, and, you know, I think we've talked about this in previous episodes. Mm. Hopefully it can continue going that way. Let's have 
amazing experiences, memories, but we don't necessarily need the the trash that's yeah, lining up in the garage. No, thanks for sharing that. Mary Claire, what about yourself? Well, I feel like today was the day where I started a lot of admin. Um, and one of the things was calling EDF to reduce our direct debit because the amount going out every month is um, sh shocking. And, um, you know, I get, we go over them a meter reading and I went online and, and changed it. You, you can only do it so, by so much because then they're sort of, but it's a constant, are you sure you want to do this? Because you might get into debt because, the, the you know, it might go higher. We're definitely really monitoring what energy is being consumed here. Um, and it, it really is worrying. And, and everybody I'm talking to is feeling the same. Yeah, well, I'd like to think again that, I mean, I've spoken about this pre-Christmas. I'd like to think that we've kind of peaked to Dave's point there, we're, we're in a kind of, uh, I guess, an interim new normal at the moment. And hopefully a lot of these costs are going to go down over the course of the year, along with inflation and, and interest rates. Um, so maybe we'll, we'll come back and talk about that later. Just to, just to kind of um, segue on from Dave's point about Christmas and what Christmas might be like in the future. Interested to know, Leila, do you think, um, I mean, were you doing similar? Did you cut back a bit on gifts at Christmas? And if so, do you envisage in the future that that might continue? Or do you think once things are better, we'll kind of go back to, you'll go back to the way you were before from a gifting perspective? Yeah. So I, I guess to kind of follow on to kind of aligning with um, Dave's point, you know, I definitely spent um, less on Christmas gifts this year, last year. And, um, and also, yeah, kind of what, yeah, was quite conscious to kind of to rein it in really, you know, whereas you'd sort of think, oh, I'll get all these little bits. And actually, you know, I thought about kind of giving slightly more meaningful gifts, but like not necessarily more expensive, but more meaningful, but fewer of them. And, um, and yeah, so I think, but also, you know, where it when it comes to kind of when things go back to normal, if that happens, um, you know, I do think that people will end up going back to, um, you know, previous spending habits. Cause I think, you know, with COVID, you'd think that actually no people now will always be precautious when kind of going out in public but you actually know people have gone straight back to how it was before as in not wearing masks and things so I do think that um you know people will I feel like people will go back to normal once kind of times get good again yeah yeah good perspective uh, Marie Claire what about you and your family well I mean we certainly were more careful slightly different with um, my daughter I mean, she's at an age where, you know, she's not really conscious of what she got last year or volume or whatever. It's just exciting that Father Christmas has come. Um, I noticed another thing. Um, I used to always be really happy sending people Christmas cards and, you know, not just a rushed uh, to from. It was a bit of an update um, of, and, and reconnecting with people and making plans to meet in the new year. Um, and of course, Royal Mail certainly put the kibosh on, on cards, but also who can afford now to send um, the amount of Christmas cards that they may hitherto have done? And I noticed we had a handful this year and normally it's, it's nice to kind of reconnect with people. Um, and no, it shouldn't just be about Christmas cards, but I, I, I felt like everybody I was talking to was reining things in. 
Yeah. yeah, I think that's the sense the sense I've had. Um, I, I'm minded to agree with Leila in the, in, the, in the context of I do think that when when the good times come back, whenever those are, I do think that generally speaking, we'll probably go back to go back to the old normal in terms of gift giving and everything. Albeit, you know, I think that there, there I, I can envisage what you were saying, Dave. I certainly can envisage a move to, but not just from my gifting point of view, but I guess with the whole move towards more conscious consumption of people maybe making slightly different choices in the future of what they gift based on, you know, the impact on the environment and everything else. So that could be that could be an interesting one to watch. Marie Claire, are you planning any holidays this year? Will you uh, take the family away anywhere? Yeah, I've booked, um, I think I may have mentioned this before, when I got the Paris Eurostar £29 um, yeah. deal, that we're doing that in half term. But also... My husband, who never was a fan of flying, has sworn off flying forever. So mm -hmm. it's it, it, for, for, um, for the environment. So yeah. it, it throws up interesting discussions because I, I have actually said to him, it's really selfish for our family. Though. And he says, no, no, you, I'll just take the train to wherever we're going. Or, so, but it's not really tried and tested because we haven't done anything apart from book a train to France this whole time. So um be interesting to see whether it, it that could uh, be a, that could be quite a challenge when you tell them you're going to Iceland, right? Or, or <laughs> for a long weekend or whatever it happens to be. Uh, I have a brother, I have a brother-in-law who's exactly the same. He's uh I think even beyond reluctant to uh to book any uh air travel anymore. But I mean <clears throat> certainly there there were I mean electric planes are coming. Um not 100 percent sure what it's what the realistic timeline on that is in terms of when they'll go into service from a commercial perspective but you know they are they are coming so that that will certainly improve but listen fair play to him he's yeah. taking a stance he's uh but you yeah, know i get the point of the challenge that causes within the family when the rest of you are quite happy to jump on a plane and want to go and see different parts of the world so it'll be interesting to keep in touch on that and see how that plays out over time who wins the argument at the end of the day or whether your whether your husband ends up being left behind <laughs> who knows <laughs> who knows not that i'm advocating that or anything you know. uh leila what about yourself will you uh, jet off to see uh, tiffany and ibiza this year or you know, any plans to go anywhere else um i was planning an, an ibiza trip in, in april but um that's kind of tbc at the moment but actually some of my friends are going skiing this in march um uh, I, I mean i personally haven't been skiing since you know my school days but um, was quite tempted, but actually in a conversation with a friend recently who um, went last year or has, you know, knows people who went recently, um, there's not actually a, a huge amount of snow out there on the slopes at the moment. And um, so I don't know whether, you know, some people apparently are going skiing to find that actually it's really disappointing because there's not enough snow. Obviously, climate change right. is a big thing sure. at the moment. So that's yeah. kind of like front of mind really um you know thinking like should we really be going skiing anymore yeah. um and yeah and also i have a big birthday coming up this year so um planning to do something although it's later on in the year so i haven't i haven't planned that yet but yeah i think um you know last year and the year kind of preceding years obviously pre-covid i was a lot more kind of less fair about oh let's go here let's go there but actually and i'm now thinking like you know cost of flying has gone up so much and as mary claire was um you know talking about the sort of the carbon footprint element as well it is kind of I feel like the decisions are like much more much more sort of slow you know um slow burners as it were rather than more kind things of just to like, think about more things to think about 
Yeah. Well, we all, I'm sure we all look forward to uh, the invite to uh, the big the big party whenever that is. So <laughs> we'll wait to hear about the reveal for that. Uh, skiing. I haven't skied for, I think it's about, in fact, it's probably just over 30 years. And the last time I skied, I remember I was going downhill way too fast. And uh, for those of you that have skied, I tried to do a snowplow to stop because I wasn't really sure how to do a turn at that point. So that didn't end very well for me. So yeah, skiing is not top of my top of my agenda for a holiday, but people enjoy it. Dave, are you planning any more city breaks? Are you planning to go further afield at all this year? Oh man, it's so difficult. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm such a sucker for um for loyalty schemes when it comes to something like a holiday. So I've got yeah. I got double nights on my hotels.com stamp card. So I've got two hotel nights that, you know, no cash value. I've got to spend them. And now I'm getting hit with a targeted advert saying it's the British Airways sale. And I've got quite a few thousand air miles. So I haven't decided yet, but I feel like with a bit of Dutch courage on a Friday night, I might end up booking something. But I have no plans. And, you know, I spent the last two years or however long it's been since. March, three years now, um, not actively having an interest. And as soon as that freedom was taken away, suddenly all the travel supplements that come out of the newspapers do inspire me. So whether or not I do something with a group of friends, um, I don't know. I think it's something I'm going to be chatting to, chatting to my friends over a few drinks with and deciding whether I go solo, whether I go with mates or um, any other thing. As yet, not booked anything. Not booked anything. I have open to offers. <laughs> Keep us posted. Keep us posted. Let us know. Dave's open to offers. I'm sure they'll be uh, you'll be inundated after this. Um, I just want to change the subject for a minute, and I want to talk about say values and purpose, and what a brand what a brand stands for. Because I'm I'm of the mindset that I still feel, generally speaking, that most consumer facing businesses underplay and maybe underestimate the impact that those elements have on decision making, particularly with younger consumers. Maybe maybe it's more so with Gen Zs and millennials, but nonetheless, I think it's becoming increasingly important. So I want to talk about that for a minute. So Marie Claire, I'll start with you. Um, are you aware of you know the values or a purpose or the purpose of a retailer or a brand? And and if so, does that have an influence on you when you you decide, you know, what you're buying with and whom who to, from whom you're buying it, if you like. Uh, certainly with MS, um, there's a feel good thing about using the Sparks card and app because um, it allows me to give my points to a chosen charity, which um, feels good. And they often tell you uh, how, many, how much you have donated um, at the end of every year or something like that. And so there's definitely something feel good about that because not only do you benefit, you're, you're not the sole beneficiary, there's, there's something feel good there. Um, and MS had the There Is No Plan B campaign, which also yeah. felt a little bit ahead of its time. Um, yeah. I feel that they are also some of the things that they have adopted that um, other supermarkets like Aldi and Lidl, who always do the sort of super six, you know, these are the, the things on offer, which definitely helps families um, af afford to buy healthy options. I think M&S have started to do that too, and they've also reduced a lot of their um, a lot of their prices seem to be more in line. They still feel luxury; they haven't lost that. But I feel that there's slightly more 
awareness that in current climate they need to to do more than just yeah. be a luxury yeah and so that reflects that reflects i guess their uh, their values as a business and how to be and how to behave by giving something back to the consumer from a from a pricing point of view dave what about yourself um values and purpose these guide you in any in any sense in terms of the businesses or the brands that you engage with in, in any consumer sector yeah you know i was thinking about this like how to answer it and the only way i thought about values really seems to be taglines and then i was thinking how many taglines can i remember every little helps that's tesco nationwide by your side okay i've got an idea that you're going to be with me if i'm going to take out a mortgage now i'm at a loss what taste the difference <laughs> Um, and I don't know if that's what you're specifically getting at when you ask the question, but like that is that seems to be like the first thing I'll think of, whatever the rhyme is, whatever the tagline, yeah, will make me immediately go for what those values are. And does every little help? I, I don't know, does it? Uh, and then I reflected, I just couldn't really think beyond those like three three catch lines. Well, I, guess, I guess they're not they're not always yeah. So the the, the values business and, the, and the, the purpose of a brand at the end of the day don't all don't always necessarily get communicated through you know a strap line or through advertising even for that matter but sometimes they do I mean I'll give you a, there's a current example which I think is quite interesting um which is as you know I'm I'm a passionate advocate for the disabled community and how I feel from a diversity point of view that they're very they're, they're really forgotten about largely speaking and, and not you know, they're not recipients of the right levels of service. And one good example um, of of a brand that does do that really well of addressing the needs of people um, who have maybe different forms of disability from mental health to physical disability, Specsavers. And I don't know if you've seen any of the TV ads recently, but where they talk about, you know, if for whatever reason you can't come to us, we'll come to you. We'll bring our brand to you. We'll come to you now. You know, you could argue, you could look at that and say, financially, is that really going to make them a lot of money? Um, it is. Um, I would imagine they probably, probably make a loss on a per visit basis, you know, based on the time and material cost of, a, of an optician, you know, having to go to somebody's house. But what they're doing is they're doing the right thing, right? And they're making themselves accessible to all consumers no matter you know what their predicament what their situation is and I think I guess to some extent that's where I'm going with it you know is that and and they do advertise that and they make a virtue of it and I think they should as well because they're providing a service that you know that other players in their space probably don't and haven't thought of so why shouldn't they promote the fact they're doing it but sometimes these things are done you know on the quiet and and so you, you might not necessarily always be aware of them but I guess you know to your point a tagline um, is an interesting way of of communicating to customers. You know what you what their positioning is through values and purpose. Mm-hmm. Leila, what about yourself? Is it is it something that you're aware of, or or mm-hmm. you're ever aware of when you make decisions about who to buy from or who to engage with? Yeah, I thought actually there's quite an interesting point. Um, just kind of t- um, to to Dave's earlier point about the strap lines. I mean, I think so. Um, yes, they do. They are influential in the one hand, but actually. They don't, I find they don't always align with what a brand does in practice. So for example, if you look at Every Little Helps, 
that's great. But so I go to my local Tesco Express on the way home because I haven't got anything in for dinner and, um, you know, have a handful of things in my basket. And there seems to be like a flat rate of £12, no matter what. And I'm like, what, why, why are things costing this much? So I don't feel like there's value for money necessarily. So actually with Tesco, for example, that, you know, I don't feel like I align with their values. I think, um, you know, brands who are demonstrating their values and purpose through their products um, and their product offering is always much more impactful to me than, um, you know, the marketing and advertising. Um, so I think, you know, I've like been seen brands, you know, that like toilet paper that talks about its green credentials, for example, you know, planting trees for every um you know every so-and-so cut down but you know this is in the past and i think that um you know but actually the use of plastic is kind of offsetting that in a way so it's kind of just um they need to really like brands that kind of cover every touch point you know where uh, you know sometimes if they make these bold statements and it kind of leaves them open to criticism yeah i think it's a really good point you know i think at the end of the day i mean i can't talk to you know specifically whether or not tesco is living up to its values um and and it's and it's strap line but you know you're talking you're giving us that feedback as a consumer um and i'll certainly take your word for that but you know i think it's a great example of the requirement for any business no matter you know what they're putting out there in terms of their messaging their brand positioning what they stand for that they walk the talk and i think that's the point you know that it's not good enough just to talk it you've got to prove that you're walking it and you're actually delivering it and you're continuing to do that and i think that's i think that's the most important factor i guess with regards to marketing communications and if you're going to have a strap line or something that talks about whether it's values or value in this case as tesco's talking about value every little helps uh which it, which you could argue is aligned to value to values and purpose have there been have there been any examples of for any of you really where you've been aware of the bad behavior of a brand and it it could be something that's happened to you or it might just be something that you're aware of that you've heard about in the news or from a friend or a work colleague or something where a brand a retailer a restaurant a travel company an airline it could be anything a car manufacturer anything where they behave badly and it's maybe made you think differently about whether you would engage with them you know both now and in the future marie claire um I can't actually, this is this is poor of me because I can't remember which restaurant chain it was. But when it came to light that certain chains were not giving the tips to the waiter or waitress who had served you. Yeah. Now, without fail, wherever we eat out, which is less now than it used to be, um, when we pay, uh, one of us will say to the person who's you know served us, do you get the tip? Yeah. And if they say they don't, we would give them cash. Yeah. With, because I, I, I just can't bear it. And I always waitressed. And it was always, you know, you're doing the job for this wage, but the real yeah. thing, you get the tips. And we always shared the tips with everybody, uh, the chefs, but it was split really fairly on your shifts. And it made a huge difference when I was a student. So I, um, I can't bear these people putting the effort in to make your experience really nice and not getting the tip. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I'm I'm the same, and I'm sure many of us are. But I mean, would would that you know? Let's say, for example, you went to a restaurant chain and you found out from the waiter that they weren't getting the tips, even though you would give them maybe then the cash. Would it affect your? You know, would you, would it maybe make you think twice about going back there or not? Or not really? 
I can't say it's ever stuck with me. And some of that is just convenience. Yeah, of course. But I still feel like we're fighting the system by not putting the, giving the tip to the restaurateur. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it sounds sort of like I'm, I'm having that protest a bit half-heartedly because I haven't stuck to anything. Um, I am still trying to think of brands who've behaved badly, who I've boycotted. Um, you know, I certainly think things when I find out... Um, of Starbucks when they weren't paying their tax. I, I didn't go there and I don't like the coffee either. Right. Well, there you go. Well, we can't do anything. We can't do anything about the latter, right? At the end of the day, if you don't like the coffee, you don't like the coffee. But um, that's an interesting one, actually, on the tax point. So you've actually, you, you literally stopped going there. You you did go there previously, but you you stopped going there when that became part yeah. of the Yeah. Interesting. Dave, Leila, any, any personal examples yourself, either from yourself or just as per Marie Claire, things that you've heard about that may be in decision-making? Um, yeah, I mean, there's um, there's certain brands that I absolutely won't buy from for um, ethical reasons, that even though, you know, you might be able to get the best deal there. I mean, think like Primark, for example, stopped buying from them years ago because of, you know, just stories in the press of how they treat their factory workers. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, Sports Direct being another one, like there was a story that came out in the press around um, a worker not being able to leave the factory because she was in labor. And, you know, like it was really awful. And you think, God, these like terrible, terrible stories coming out about how they're treating their employees. And you just think like, I don't want to be, you know, bankrolling that. So, um, you know, those are the kind of the bigger examples. Um, I mean, I would love to say that I've boycotted Amazon um, because I know that they're not, it's not necessarily the most ethical, um, uh, you know, company, but I think the, the convenience and the value for money factor make it really, really difficult. It's kind of like part of my everyday life now, um, even though as much as I'm loath to kind of say that, but, um, but, you know, for example, I've kind of found products on there. I did try to sort of like migrate, you know, find the products on Amazon and actually go and buy them off the retailer's own website. But the one time I did try and do this, I think it was a pet product. It kind of directed me back on. They were set using the Amazon API to sell their products. So, you know, therefore you couldn't really get away from it. Um, and then I think also um, brands that probably could be doing better environmentally speaking, but aren't. A company that, um, you know, I think could be doing better is um, is Aesop, the soap manufacturer. So, you know, being quite a high-end premium um, product, you know, I find that when I run out of the, the hand soap, you know, I would expect to be able to go on the website and buy a refill product, um, you know, probably at a, a similar price or, or even, you know, then to use glass bottles. But it feels wrong buying plastic bottle after plastic bottle. And so I'm sort of rethinking that now. So actually, I've kind of moved away from them in favor of companies that use more sustainable products, especially for, for products that you're going to be using kind of repeatedly, um, you know, like hand soap being something that you get through quite quickly. And, and even, you know, going towards shampoo brands that use more sustainable packaging as well, because again, that's something that you get through quite quickly. Well, some great examples there from your own personal experience of brands that you don't you don't shop with now, you don't engage with anymore because, you know, they've maybe not treated their, their staff the way that you, you believe that they should be and your point there about sustainability and you know plastic use of plastic etc you know i mean at the end of the day people are people are voting with their purses their wallets their credit cards debit cards buy now pay laters and going elsewhere right when brands are not delivering or doing the right thing in, in your in your eyes so it's great to get those very very pertinent examples dave have you got anything anything to add from your own perspective 
Yeah, I think it's thanks to this podcast that the name, I'm going to mention them, every has come up. And I don't do much home deliveries um, from companies and normally it's Royal Mail. Maybe it's because of this that I'm more aware of it and susceptible to seeing their name. But I've seen a few headlines recently um, in my news feeds that are saying that they've been doing naughty things. I think there was a flood in a depot which maybe couldn't be helped. But then I think across another part of the country, there's just tons of abandoned parcels. And, you know, this is a great time to compete with Royal Mail if they're on, on strikes, but it's not worked out. So part of me feels like, you know, that's part of me just being more aware of it. The other part of me thinks that Royal Mail could do a little PR exercise to distract people, make them look over there. But it seems like people are memeing them quite a bit. Um, and equally recently into the real ale scene, I went to Brewdog um, over my uh, city city break, and uh, there was an expose on the BBC. I think the Scottish version of Panorama um, mm-hmm. found out that there's toxic work culture. A lot of the claims that they're making are just greenwashing and certain other stuff, like how people were treated. And I'm like, damn. But I also wanted to wet my whistle and I'd also get 5% off because I paid, you know, however much it was to get, you know, my micro share in the company. Um, it was also the only place that I could go to get something that I would have wanted to drink that wasn't like lukewarm and tasted like varnish. So, so I overcame it and I went. You overcame, you overcame your values and you still went and had a... I did, I did, um, and I went back a little bit later after I'd been to the cinema. Now, what's interesting is with it in mind, I actually came in and I went and I had a drink and I had a meal and I went to the cinema and I came back later on and it was the same people that were um, on shift and I was like, still on shift, crikey. I bet you've seen the documentary and they were sort of like giving me a little nod like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I told my other friends about this who have also seen the the exposed documentary and they're like, how could you? And I was like, I know, I did override my values, all things considered. But then I realised when I talked to the staff there, the staff are human. So while it allegedly may be toxic from up top and it may trickle down to how they're feeling working a 12-hour shift, I was still able to talk to these guys. And I think despite the fact that I crossed the threshold or the picket line, whatever the phrase is, I was there for the people, you know, the company values, I had to brush them off against my better judgment. But the people yeah. there were brilliant, they were passionate. We're talking about all the different categories. And that's maybe why I would be a little bit um, hypocritical at points. It's the people, yeah. not the companies. Yeah, yeah good point, good point. So just turning to something more positive now then, we've all shared some really good examples there of brands that you might perceive to be behaving badly and and what the implications of that were on your behaviour as consumers. What about something positive? Any any examples of brands that you warm towards or you tend to migrate towards because they're, you know, they behave well, they have great values or a culture, they do something that you're aware of that makes you think, I want to, you know, I want to give them my money. I want to associate with them or be seen to be associating with them. Leila, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the the um, it's ones that are kind of like disrupting by doing things differently. So the toilet paper brand, who gives a crap? I think they were the first one to kind of pioneer that, um, you know, the the paper packaging as opposed to plastic, because, you know, you know, you order toilet roll in bulk or whatever you buy it, it's just plastic everywhere. 
And, um, you know, and that was, I guess, ties into the example I gave earlier around, um, you know, trusting brands who actually are leading by example and like demonstrating their values via their through their products i know that's not always possible if it's a service-led um brand but you know that um to kind of see that happening and them leading the charge obviously there now there are much there are many more brands out there who are doing the same thing and actually it's that that kind of movement that will help to kind of influence change within all of the other ones so hopefully that you know in order to this is now what toilet roll brands need to do to stay ahead of the game actually is to check to rethink their packaging because customers are responding positively to you know the, the sort of change in in packaging I think um you know they're a sort of a good example of how um you know leading by example and then I think also um you know some of the meat-free brands like beyond meat and and stuff are kind of really doing um good work out there to you know by having a really strong kind of like brand narratives um kind of stories and packaging to like to kind of influence change amongst consumers who might actually be you know meat eaters but looking to cut down um I think that they're you know doing really good work just by having very strong brand identities and kind of you know really hitting the nail on the head with appealing to the right kind of people yeah good examples dave have you got anything to add to that yeah i was quickly just checking my phone because i forgot the name of the app and i wanted to give them a shout out and get it right so we are eight w-e-a-r-e -E, and the number eight um they've been doing a campaign recently on the sides of buses and they are an app on your phone, you download it, install it, and you watch an advert and they give you a couple of pennies that goes towards your phone bill. And then you can take money off a phone bill, uh, which is brilliant. It feels like the co-op just for myself <laughs> or the sparks card for myself. Um, but it's brilliant because cost of living, price is going up. It means that I've almost given myself a concession for a couple of minutes um, of watching an advert on the app. Um, and also, when you watch whatever campaign they want to send you, they've sent John Lewis, I think they sent Canbury, they've sent BMWs, so they got big, you know, brand collaborations mm -hmm. just to watch the advert and get up to 20 pence per advert, three or four adverts a day sometimes. They also split a certain percentage with charity. So you see the impact of what you're getting off your phone bill, and you also get to see the impact of what you've donated to charity. And as I generally don't, um, uh, donate to charity either by direct debit or when someone shakes a bucket in front of me. The fact that I'm doing it involuntary and it's having a good impact is a great thing. Um, so they had, I think I've seen them before Christmas on the underground and on the side of buses and they seem to be doing an ethical I, thing. I, I hadn't heard about that. <clears throat> That's a really great example. Um, I suppose the, my, only, my only query or not query but question would be on the effectiveness, because it sounds like a relatively random set of brands that you're being targeted with and, and the relevance of those brands to you as a consumer. Did you have to did you have to give them a lot of information in the first place then about you and your likes and, and your background or anything for them to then do that or? Uh, yeah, I'm just checking. I think you put in a couple of preferences uh, that, yeah, so I say I'm interested in art, music, I've not ticked cars, I've not ticked fashion or beauty, but yeah. I have ticked food and movies. So I think they will target you based upon particular interests. It might be quite a scattergun effect and you might see the same advert two or three times, but it's contributing to Look at that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Maddie, clear. How about yourself? 
Yeah, I've been impressed with the co-op who I use um, quite regularly with the local supermarket here um, because their loyalty cards, it not only offers you um, some at the, at the till uh, money off coupons, also gives you a sort of penny for every pound you spend or something like that. But also it then allows you to nominate a local charity. So the food bank, for example, around here, where you can give your uh, money or points to them. So it, it that feels feel good, similar to the Sparks card as well. Um, but it feels a bit more um, relevant in your home community where you're, you're giving something back. And they feel very community-led co-op. And also, um, I still am a fan of Too Good To Go, um, which is aiming to combat food waste, um, which is, I, I haven't done it a lot, but when I have done it, I've been really impressed by it. And it feels that it is motivating people to, you know, not let things go to waste. And also, you know, people can get good good food at a much lower price. Yeah. Yeah, great examples. And I think, you know, you've all shared examples of brands who certainly when you talk about your positive experiences are, I would say, being very socially responsible. So we talk a lot about social responsibility, but, you know, you've shared examples of brands that are doing that by giving something back or by providing a service, you know, that's making an impact. For example, of Too Good To Go, um, which is enabling retailers to make sure, you know, food isn't going to waste. So good examples of both brands that are being purposeful or more purposeful are being social responsible, socially responsible and are demonstrating the right values. And, and I'm, I'm very much of the belief that that these things have a very big impact and can have a very big impact on the commercial performance of a business. And, you know, certainly when you, you talk about building customer lifetime value, you know, I think over time, increasingly, we will all gravitate towards, you know, engaging with brands that demonstrate they do have good values. They are socially responsible and they are purposeful in what they do. And, and some of that's about looking after how they look after their own people, their own colleagues. Some of that's about how they look after you as customers. Some of that's about what they do from an environmental perspective. Marie-Claire, Leila, Dave, as always, thank you very much. I'm very grateful for your feedback. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed it today. This is Martin Newman with the Consumer Focus Podcast. Look forward to seeing you the next time. Thanks, everybody.